for your edification. I have a friend, uh, an acquaintance actually, uh, Dr. David Dykes. He's pastor of the great Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas. Uh, and I got this from him. So I'm telling you that if you don't like it, we'll blame him, all right? But it's a notice that everybody needs to know. For all of you who are looking for Santa this week, I must read a memo to you. To all southern United States residents from Santa, references a replacement Santa. I regret to inform you that effective immediately, due to the growing population, I will no longer be able to serve the southern United States on Christmas Eve. However, I have provided a replacement for you, my third cousin, Bubba Claus. His side of the family is from the South Pole, and there are a few differences between us that you need to know. Number one, instead of milk and cookies, Bubba Claus prefers that you leave an RC Cola and pork rinds. Bubba Claus' sleigh is pulled by flying coon dogs instead of reindeer. A couple of years ago, Santa made the mistake of loaning him a reindeer, and now his head overhangs Bubba's fireplace. <laughs> instead of hearing on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, on Blitzen, you'll hear on, on Earnhardt, on Wallace, on Gordon, and Jared. The classic Christmas movies such as Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life will be replaced with Boss Hog Says Christmas and Smokey and the Bandit Part 4. <laughs> now there is one more on this list that I choose not to read publicly, so if you want to uh, hear what David read to that church, you'll have to see me privately, all right? <clears throat> I don't know if you know what a Trekkie is. I are one. September the 8th, 1966, Captain James Tiberius Kirk came on our TV screens with these words, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, their five-year mission to seek out new life and new civilization and to boldly Go where no one has gone before. And with those words, I don't think that Gene Roddenberry, Bill Shatner, or any of the cast and crew realized the legacy that was begun that day. For you see, now these 42 years later, there have been five series of Star Trek. There have been, to this point, ten movies released. And oh, by the way, all you Trekkies, in May, number 11 hits the screen. That's free today. But you know what? September the 8th, 1966 was not the original Star Trek. In fact, I believe that we have read about the original Star Trek right here. I believe in God's Word when those wise men, those magi left and began their journey, it was indeed the Star Trek of all Star Treks. It was the one that was going to lead them to the Arthur of life. And I believe this morning as we look at this original Star Trek, I believe there are some real things that we can learn that will help us make this Christmas the most godly and spiritual be. 
If you flip over the back of your bulletin, you'll find probably much to your disdain that, that I want to talk about some things from the life of these people, five of them. Now, I'm just going to tell you the truth. The first three are the ones I'm going to major on. last two I almost didn't tell you, but I think they're so important. I think you need to take them home and study them. If we are going to engage in the Star Trek, and if we're going to do like the wise men did and discover Jesus, it's going to involve some things. I want to suggest to you five things it's going to involve. First of all, it's going to involve focus. It's going to involve focus. If you look here, it says... We saw his star and came. We saw his star and came. Now, have you ever thought about that? There was a star in the sky, and wise men from another country saw it and came. And by the way, we don't know how many there were. We really don't know how long it took them. We, as we'll talk a little later, this could have been a two- or three-year trip. But you know what that star looks like to me? We have folks in our congregation expecting babies. We have some who've had babies. Listen, if you've ever walked, driven by somebody's house and they've had a baby, you know what you'll find in their yard? The stork. And it'll be a blue one or a pink one. And it'll say, boy, or it's a girl. You know what the star in the sky is? That's God putting that stork up in his domain saying it's a boy. And how many people noticed it? You know why? Because they weren't focused on it. The only people that seemed to be focused on His Word and the Savior and the promise of God were these wise men. Many times we miss things because we're focused on the wrong things. I have been known to drive by houses, butch, that have the stork in the yard and I never saw it because I was focused on something else. We miss the great things in life because a lot of times we stay focused on the mediocre things of life. Let me give you an illustration. Early, early 1900s, most of us, does everybody in here know who the Wright brothers are? Sure. The Wright brothers have been trying to fly for a while. Finally, on December the 7th, what, 1907, 1908, 1903, in the early 1900s, it was in December that they finally took that successful 120-foot flight and landed safely. It's in December, so they write, they, they telegraph their sister, Catherine, and they say something to this effect, flew successfully 120 feet, we'll be home for Christmas. She takes that telegraph all excited to the editor of the paper, the guy who's supposed to be focused on big events. And he looked at the paper and he goes, oh, that's great. The boys will be home for Christmas. He could have announced to the world that flight was now possible and he missed it because he was focused on the trivial. Too often we focus on the trivial and the mundane and the, and the humanist point of view and we miss the big things. In the late 50s, the cosmonaut went up in the, in the space and he said, I see God nowhere. A few months later, the astronaut went up and said, I see God everywhere. And I'm sad to say that today, if Russia and the Americas were in a space race, probably today the astronaut would go up and say, I see God nowhere. And the cosmonaut would go up and say, I see God everywhere. If you know anything about the revival going on in Russia. 
You see, it's because we get focused on the wrong things. We miss things. There were people in that day that never saw the star because they weren't focused on the, on the prophecies. They weren't pro- focused on the better things in life. They weren't focused on God. And I dare say that today, after Thursday, people will miss the very meaning of Christmas Day because we're focused on the wrong things. And I can jump in your hip pocket if you want it done. Everybody says, um, you step on my toes, Brother Jerry. I want to step on your toes. I want to step on your heart. What's Christmas about? If I were to pass out a survey, 90% of us would go, it's about family and friends. Certainly we should spend time with family and friends. But Christmas is not family and friends. Christmas is about Jesus. We have made it about family and friends. Oh, Brother Jerry, you just made me mad. So sorry. If you look over in Matthew, in uh, um, what is it, Mark ten, where Jesus said, "If you love your father and mother more than you love me, you're not going to get to enter the kingdom of God." On Wednesday night, please listen. On Wednesday night, five o'clock, this body asked for forty-five minutes to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and there are those among us who claim to be spiritual leaders that won't be here because we have to spend time with family and friends. We can't give 45 minutes to our Lord on his birthday. It's a matter of focus. Many of us will miss Jesus this birthday, this, this Christmas, this birthday, because we have focused on all the things the world has sold us. Now, I know I have to stop here. Not in my notes. I know I have to stop here. I did not tell you to ignore your family. I did not say that. Please do not go out of here and misquote me. What I said is what the Bible teaches. Christmas is about Jesus. It involves focus. If we're going to take that Star Trek. The second thing it involves, watch this, it involves forsaking. Oh, oops. Go from bad to worse, don't I? Isn't that God's word? Have you ever thought about what these men had to forsake to come after Jesus? They had to forsake their families. They had to forsake their schedules. They had to forsake their daily lives to go and find the Master. Do you know when we will find Jesus in our lives? The Bible tells us. We will find Him when we seek Him with all our heart. Today, we're not seeking Him with all our heart. That's the reason so many of us get caught up in so many sins, so many things that take us away from Him. It's because we have not forsaken ourselves. I remember 2003, 2004, we were at Robin Wood, preached a message one morning on sin. And I talked about immorality. And I talked about all kind of homosexuality, whether it, whether it was homosexuality, whether it was incest, whether it was adultery, um, it didn't matter. I named them all. Young lady came out the door. Sister. And I took her by the hand with a smile and said, we're sure glad to have you today. Mm. I said, I sure hope you'll come back. Not on your life. 
said, I'm sorry. Did somebody mistreat you? She said, y'all are way too narrow-minded. Come to find out she's living with somebody. All I want to say is that if you're here and you're living with somebody out of wedlock, according to God's Word, you are living in sin. It's not a matter that we're condemning you. It is a matter that this book is telling you what you should already know because God's implanted it in your, in your heart. Sometimes it requires us to forsake those things that we want to do. Sometimes it requires us to put us. You know, Jesus said, you might have to deny yourself. Didn't I read that somewhere in this book? It involves forsaking. Those men forsook their families for two or three years to find the Savior. Had they never forsaken it, they would have never found anything. The third thought that I find here, the original Star Trek doesn't just involve focus And it doesn't just involve forsaking. It involves following. It involves following. You find it right here. You follow the star. In verse 9 it says, It led them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. You know, I would ask us today, what... What or who is it that we are following? A guy named Eli Black was somebody fairly well known in New York City. But he was known for two things. He was known to have masterminded the multi-million dollar takeover of United Fruit. For that reason, many people idolized him, liked what they heard. The second thing he was known for is that he jumped out of the 47th floor window of the Pan Am building in New York City. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to play follow the leader, we better know who we're following. We better have an idea of where they're headed. We, have a, we better have an idea of what the result is before we follow. Jesus said, hey, if any man would come after me, I think that means follow. You agree, Teddy? If any man comes after me, let him deny himself, forsake. Let him take up his own cross and let him follow after me. We don't get to decide how to do this. He tells us how to do this. Now let's pause just a second. Let's just pause just a second and let's consider these three. Let's consider these three. Go back to last week. The shepherds, the angels appeared to them on the, mount, on the hillside, the st- on the shepherds. Maybe they didn't have a choice, but they focused on the shepherds. They forsook their daily responsibilities. They left their sheep, and then they followed the instructions. Consider the disciples. Matthew left a lucrative tax-collecting business. Peter, John, left a successful fishing business. In fact, at one place in the Scripture, Peter says, we have left all for you. I have a question today on this last Sunday before his birthday. 
What have you forsaken to follow Him? What have you put aside to follow Him? Remember, God still resists the proud. He stiff arms the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. He still punishes sin and still offers forgiveness. Now, we can stop right here and be plenty convicted. But let me just offer you two other things. One is an encouragement and one is a challenge. When I read this text and I think about these magi, these wise men, leaving on a two, at least a two-year trip, possibly a three, and they did it on the realm of the Scripture and a star, they searched... They focused on that star. They focused on Scripture. They forsook their lives. They followed the star. And when you do it like that before God, here's, what, here's the wonderful thing. It involves finding. It involves finding. Again, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And you seek the Lord and you will find Him when you seek Him with all your heart. That's not half-heartedness. That is all your heart. Can I just pause just a second to ask you, do you pursue your relationship with Jesus with the same passion, with the same heart, that you pursue your favorite hobby? Do you pursue your relationship with Jesus like you do the love of your life? Do you want to know what He wants you to do? Or do you just decide what I'm going to do and then say, okay, God, bless it, and then wonder why life gets so fouled up? You see, when we come to Him, He will not cast us aside. Because most of the time we come to Him, He started the process. That original Star Trek involves focus, it involves forsaking, it involves following, it involves finding. But here's the one that I think encapsulates why many people never take this trip. It involves falling. Look at here. Verse 11. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And falling to their knees, they worshipped him. One of the sad things of our day is that we've gotten so prideful and so dignified that we've forgotten what it is to fall on our face before Almighty God. How long has it been since you've been on your knees? You see, when we everybody that found Jesus fell on their knees. 
I dare say it's not recorded in Scripture that I can find, but I dare say when the shepherds came in after they'd been introduced to Jesus the way they were, I dare say that they fell on their knees. The wise men came and fell on their knees. On the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples fell on their knees. In Revelation chapter 5, the 12 elders fall on their knees. And one day, you and I will fall on our knees. We'll either do it voluntarily or we'll be pressured to do it because one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. We want this to be a good Christmas. I dare say we take that original, that original Star Trek along with those magi. We focus, we forsake, and we follow. And then we'll find, and we'll want to fall on our knees before him. Now, I began this message talking about entertainment, the Star Trek. I want you to think about that. Their continuing mission to seek out new life, new civilization, and to boldly go where no one's gone before. Think about this. If that could ever apply to anything, that could apply to our Lord Jesus when he came to heaven in that manger. You see, he came to seek out new life. He died. He came back to life, new life. And today he wants to give you new life. New civilization. In Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit falling from heaven and coming down and empowering 120 believers. And they swelled to 3,000 in, in a short order. And this church, this New Testament church is indeed, when it is New Testament, it is a new civilization. It's something this world don't understand. And here's what I'll tell you personally. When you and I decide to sell out to Christ, We will go boldly where very few have ever gone. This Christmas, you want to make it a special Christmas? Why not take Star Trek and do it in a spiritual way, winding up on your face before the one whose birthday you celebrate? Let's pray together.